Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. So, good morning. Good morning. Oh, wow, this is very exciting, having you speak back to me. So, uh, we're going to spend uh, a little while in the Bible this morning. I hope that's good. I hope you're happy with that. Uh, but first, I just want to have you to have a think. Do you ever have a situation in your life where you see someone doing something, a job or a project or something like that, and you think, I really want to help, but I've got no idea what I'm doing. I've got no idea at all. This happens to me on a regular basis, particularly in our house. So a couple of weeks ago, our bathroom light broke, and I can change a light bulb. It wasn't as simple as that. The whole light fitting broke, and we tried changing the bulb. It didn't work, and I had no idea what to do. And so Dom got a new light fitting, and he stood on a step, and he's doing all this. And I was just looking at him like... I want to help, but mm, I don't quite know how. So I just sort of stood there and handed him stuff when he asked for it. That's like the classic role, isn't it? Just I'll just hand you that and go and find this. So that was my role in that, because otherwise I had no idea what to do. But don't get me wrong, this happens the other way around as well. There are sometimes when Dom doesn't know quite what to do either. So sometimes I'll be in the kitchen and Dom will often come in. I'm really playing into the gender stereotypes today, aren't I? I'm in the kitchen cooking because I love it. And um, Dom will come in and he'll be like, he'll stand and he'll... He turns in a circle like this, and he's like, what can, I, what can I do to help? And usually, I'm quite happy in the kitchen by myself. It's my happy place, and I'll be like, yeah, you're good. You go do something somewhere else. I'm happy. However, if there's an onion to chop, he's your man. Honestly, you have never seen a person chop an onion like my husband can chop an onion. It is just mind-blowing. So if there's an onion to chop, and I'm not very good at it, I don't really like it, so I'll draft him in for onion chopping duties. And it can seem kind of like those um, kind of those roles are quite small in the grand scheme of things. We can feel like oh, we're not really contributing to the overall task. I was just holding a screwdriver and some things in my hand and Dom's just chopping onions. But actually, we can sometimes feel like that about our place in church as well and the things that God has asked us to do, I think. Well, I can anyway. I sometimes feel as though the contribution that I have to make is quite small or I'm not quite even sure what it is. And maybe you feel the same way sometimes. So we're going to explore that a little bit this morning, this idea of what our roles look like. And actually the fact that in every circumstance, whatever it is we're doing, that contribution is not small and it's not insignificant. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. It's just like when um, I'm putting, I was helping Don put up the light. Actually, it was really useful for him to have me stood there. It meant he didn't have to keep running around and finding stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, if that sounds good. The idea that we are all chosen, we're all equipped to do, uh, to do things in the kingdom of God. Does that sound good? Cool. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get stuck into the scripture. Lord, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you speak to us through your word. I thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your word. I pray that as I speak this morning, Lord, it will be of you. I pray that um, what is of you will stick and what is of me will fall, Lord. In your name. Amen. Cool. So we're going to be looking actually at two pieces of scripture this morning. How exciting. So we're going to look at a piece from the Old Testament and a piece from the New Testament as well. And we're going to look at them side by side. So one of the things I love about the Bible is the fact that it is full of loads of different stories, loads of poetry, songs, letters. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And you can kind of pick it up and you can read these bits in isolation if you want. They all sort of stand alone. But the thing that I love is that they're actually all woven together as part of one big story. It's um, any story that you read. It's not really on its own, even though you can read it that way. 
There are themes that recur through the Bible. There are ideas and truths that are woven through the Bible, right from Genesis, right through to Revelation. There are themes that we can pick up. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at these two pieces of scripture from two very different parts of the Bible. And as we read them, you'll see they are really quite different. They're written to different audiences. They're even, in fact, one of them is written a letter written to people and one is an account of a story so they are really very different but we're going to look at how the themes and the ideas and the truths join them together and what that means for us now does that sound like a plan excellent so we will start with the old testament scripture so we're going to exodus chapter 36 and before i read i just want to give you a little bit of context because like I say, you kind of can pick these stories up, and although you can read them in isolation, sometimes you need to know a little bit about what's going on around. So we pick the story up with the Israelites, and they are wandering in the wilderness. And so Moses has brought them out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness. They're on the way to the promised land. And at this point in the story, Moses has been up Mount Sinai, and he's got the Ten Commandments, and he's also got a design for the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle is the place of worship that the Israelites built for themselves in the desert. So, um, like I say, Moses got this instruction from God on how to build it. But it was basically like a big fenced off area with a tent in the middle and then smaller rooms inside. And then right in the middle, there was a big box called the Ark of the Covenant. And in there is where the presence of God dwelt. So Moses had had instructions on how to build this thing. And he'd gone out to the people and he said, I need people to do it. I need skilled workers to build this thing. And I also also need the materials to build it and that's where we pick up here in verse and chapter 36 verse 2 and it says then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary and the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning so all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work that the Lord commanded to be done. So that is our piece of scripture from the Old Testament. Is that good? Everyone happy with that? Yeah, cool. So I'm going to read us the New Testament bit and then we can sort of get stuck into them if that's good. So the second bit I want to read is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians uh, from chapter 12. And I'm going to read from verse seven. So this letter, as I've just said, is written by Paul. It's to a church in Corinth. So this is much later on in history than that story we've just read in Exodus. It's thousands of years later. It's after Jesus has lived and died and risen and um, Paul is writing to an early, an early church congregation. And this letter is very practical. It has a lot of, um, it covers a lot of ground. But this portion that we're going to read here, it talks about how the church is equipped. And it talks about a metaphor that you may have heard about the church as a body. So reading from verse 7, it says, Now, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the same of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should, uh, yeah, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So there we have our two bits of scripture we're going to look at today. And we're going to move between the two. And I'm going to try and make it as clear as possible kind of where, we're, where we are. But we also, and very importantly, are going to look at what this actually means for us living and being on this earth in 2019. So... The first point will hopefully start to draw together some of the themes and ideas that are parallel across these two pieces of scripture. And the first point I want to make is that there is something to build. So when we read in Exodus the account of the um, Israelites and they're building the tabernacle, it's kind of obvious, isn't it, that they're building something. They're building the tabernacle. It's a physical building. It's something that they're actually going out and building. But in the letter to the Corinthians that Paul's writing, it's, they're still building something, but it's a little bit less clear as to what exactly is going on. So we're going to bring in a few other bits of scripture just to kind of clarify what's happening there. So um, Paul is using this metaphor for the body of Christ. And it might be that you've heard that term before, body of Christ. And what that really means is the global church. Anybody who believes that Jesus is the son of God, that he came and died to make a way back for us, to clear us of our sins. Anyone that believes that is part of the body of Christ. It's church with a capital C, if you would. It's the global church. And Paul teaches about this idea in a number of the different letters that he's writing. So slightly further through in Corinthians, just past where I read in verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So we've learned there that we've got the body of Christ, that we are all part of that body of Christ. And then he writes in Colossians. So this is a different letter. It's written to the church in Colossae. I don't know where it is. It's the church that the Colossians are living at anyway. Uh, so it's in, um, uh, I've got 18 here, but I don't think that's right. Yeah, Colossians 1 verse 18. And it says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. So what we can learn by bringing these few bits together is that the body is the church. So the body of Christ equals the church. Jesus is the head of the church, as we're just reading there. He is the head of the body, the church. And we are parts of that body. Is that making sense? I'm aware it's kind of a little bit confusing. So the church is the body. Jesus is the head. And we are the parts of the body. Good? Cool. So what is it that the Corinthians are being asked to build? Well, it is this body is what they're being asked to build. It's the church of Jesus Christ on the earth is what they're being asked to build. And don't get me wrong. Jesus builds his church. We know that. We read in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. We know that Jesus builds his church. Only God can add more people to the kingdom. But we are privileged to be able to partner in that with God. He chooses to partner with us in all our failings, in all our shortcomings. God chooses to partner with us, to have us as his body, helping to build the kingdom. And that's what Paul is telling the Corinthians to build. And that's what we are to build as well. Oh, it's very warm up here and I've ill chosen with this long sleeve top, haven't I? So in the Old Testament, they're building, and I think this is really interesting, they're building a dwelling place for God. They're building this tabernacle. They're building, building the place where God is going to dwell. And actually, that's what the Corinthians have been asked to do. And it's what we're asked to do as well, to build a dwelling place for God. And that looks very different now to what it did thousands of years ago, because God doesn't, his presence doesn't live in the Ark of the Covenant anymore. 
His presence lives in us and amongst us. As Don mentioned earlier, I'm not sure if it was during the service or in the prayer at the start, and he was saying that um, where two or more are gathered in his name, there he will be. Jesus actually speaking, he's saying, when two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there among them. And that is what we're building. We're building this community of believers who are believing in who Jesus is, knowing him, loving him, gathering in his name. And he promises us that he will be there with us. We are building a dwelling place for God, even though it doesn't look like a tent or a building anymore. We are building a community of believers. We've been commissioned by God. He says in Matthew 28, verse 19, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what we've been asked to do. We've been asked to build the church. So we are building something. Just as the Israelites were building the tabernacle, we are building the church. We have a task to get on with. We have a collective purpose. And this is a big task, isn't it? It's quite... When you kind of take a step back and think about it, think about what it is we're actually doing, it is a monumental task. And you can imagine, can't you, that the Israelites probably felt the same way. When Moses came and he'd got all these instructions as to how to build the tabernacle, and they are complicated and they are detailed and they're going to require so much time and so many skills and so many resources, and at the minute they've got nothing. They're just stood, they haven't even got their own land. So they know that when they do actually build this thing whenever they move they've got to take it down carry it with them put it back up again they've got nothing at the minute and they're just stood looking at it thinking we've got this massive task ahead of us and it can be the same for us as well can't it we can look and think wow we have got a massive task ahead of us but the incredible thing is and we see it in the old testament scripture in there in exodus we see it with the corinthians and we see it with us now and it's one of those themes like i was saying that recurs throughout scripture is that god equips us to build god equips us with everything that we need to build so if we take that bit back in exodus where they're building the tabernacle it says then moses summoned bezalel and oholiab and every skilled person to whom the lord had given ability says that God gave them the abilities and the skills that they were going to need to build the tabernacle. And in fact, actually, God gave them everything they were going to need to build the tabernacle, not just their skills and abilities. He gave them the resources they were going to need to build the tabernacle as well. If we think in Psalm 24, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. God had given them all these natural resources that they were going to use to build the tabernacle, all the trees to cut down, to build um, frames and posts and things, all of the uh, precious metals and stones for building all the stuff that they needed, all the goats and sheep to shear to create cloth. Everything that was needed to build the tabernacle, God provided it. He provided them the skills. He provided them the resources. And he even provided them with the pattern of what it was they were to be building. And in the New Testament, we see the same thing. We see that uh, the Corinthians here are equipped with skills to build. So if we read in 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 8 to 11, it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one of us, just as he determines. It says there that God is the one that is distributing these gifts. All those gifts that are listed there, prophecy, wisdom, healings, gifts of tongues, all that stuff, it is God that is distributing them. It is God that is providing. 
God that's providing those gifts and those skills. And I love that it's such a range of things as well. It's a number of different things that God's talking about there. There's maybe six or seven in that list, and they're not the only gifts and skills that are talked about in the New Testament either. There are a number of different places, a number of different letters that we can read, and we can see examples of these gifts that God gives the church. And that's the key thing. It's always God giving these gifts. We can read it in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And we read in Ephesians 4.11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. We see all these different gifts that God is giving the church. In every instance that God gives, God distributes these gifts. And this, this list of gifts is not exhaustive. It's not like you can look at it and say, well, actually, I'm really gifted in kind of like technological type stuff. And that's not listed here. So that can't be given to me by God. That's not the case. That's not an exhaustive list of every gift that could possibly be given. It's just an example to show us the breadth of gifts. And the key thing, like I said, that God is the one who distributes these gifts. And it's all of these gifts are given to us so that we can build, so that we're equipped to build, so that we can help build a community of believers, so we can help build the church, so that we can give glory to God. That's what all of these gifts are for, whether it is teaching, whether it's encouraging, whether it is um, prophesying, whether it is things like technolo- technological stuff or um, chatting with people, building people up, whatever it is, they are to be used for building up the kingdom of God and for God's glory. And so I just want you to um, have a think over the next week or so. What gifts has God given me? What is it that God has placed in me that I can use to build his kingdom? And have a prayer about it as well. Ask God, look, what have you given me? What is it you've given me to do? What am I going to be building? And what gifts have you given me to accomplish that? And it's also really useful, I find anyway, even though it's a little bit embarrassing sometimes, to ask other people around you, what do you think I'm good at? What, do you th- what gifts do you think God has given me? Because actually, people see things in us that we don't see in ourselves necessarily, or even that we think are just normal things that everyone can do, and we don't realise that actually it's a gift from God, and it's something that other people find really difficult. So I just encourage you, ask, um, ask people around you, what is it that, what, is it that um, what gifts is it that God has given you to build his kingdom? And so the third thing that's important is that we are all building together. This church that we're building, this community that we're building, we're all building together. And we see this in um, the account in Exodus. And I think this is really interesting. So it's slightly further on than where we've read. It kind of carries on with the story and it's talking about what they're building. And it goes into quite kind of, you know, they're building this and they're building that. But I think what is really important, and I've just used the phrase there without really even thinking about it, is that it's always accounted as they It says they made the curtains, they made the frames of acacia wood, they overlaid the wood with bronze and gold. It's always they, they did it. And chances are, it's not going to be the same people that are making curtains as are um, building wooden frames. I wouldn't have thought. They're quite different skill sets, aren't they, to, to do those two things. But yeah, it's put in as they. They did, they made the curtains, they built the frames, they did it together as a team. Which I think is really interesting. And I think the reason that's done, I don't think it's to diminish. I don't think it's to say, well, you're all kind of the same, just to kind of homogenize everybody. Like, you're all the same. You're all kind of doing it. That's fine. I think it's actually to bring value to each role that people are bringing. It's like with that light fitting that I mentioned earlier. Don was the one that stood and actually screwed it into the ceiling. But 
I was there as well. We put up the light fitting. It's like saying that. It's giving value to both, to all parts of it. It's like when Dom's chopping onions. We made dinner. It's not just me. It's we. It's they. Because we're all, we all have a part and all the parts are valued. And the reason that I think it's actually bringing value rather than diminishing is because we see, and it's just slightly further back, and I'm not sure I've got it highlighted, in slightly further back in Exodus, and it's talking about... Oh, I can't find it, but I'll tell you the gist. What it says is it's talking about this, all the workers and everything they can do, the embroiderers, the designers, the um, people that can work well with cloth. And it says, and this is the important bit, all of them skilled workers. It's saying that everyone that's involved in this project, all of them are skilled workers. And so when they're part of the they, it's not to say that they're kind of all the same. It's just saying that they are all skilled and they're all valued and they're all part of building this bigger thing which I think is really cool. And we see a similar thing in Corinthians, and this is where I love kind of this parallel that we see. It's one of these themes that we see through the Bible of the unchanging nature of God over thousands of years. We see this same idea of the body working together, the body being a they. If we're seeing 1 Corinthians, um, oh, we have a panic situation. It's not really a panic situation. I just forgot to put the bookmark back in when I flip back. Right, so 1 Corinthians 12, here we are, um, from... Verse 17, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And we're all those different parts of the body in this metaphor. We all have different skills. We all have different roles. We all bring different things, but we are all required as part of building the kingdom of God. Each one of us is required. If we think about those guys in the Old Testament, each one of them on their own could probably have done some pretty cool stuff. If you've got a guy that can like do some cool embroidery, he could have made something by himself or a big wooden frame or a table or a lampstand. They've got skills that they could use to build everything. But not one of them could have built the tabernacle. They were all needed. All their different skills needed to come together so that they could be the they that built the tabernacle. And it's the same with the Corinthians. And it's the same with us. Each one of us, we could do cool stuff on our own, I'm sure. But think of the stuff we can do together as a body of Christ, as a group of believers, where everyone is bringing their own skills. Everyone is bringing the gifts that God has given them, is bringing who God has called them to be. If we're all doing that, we can accomplish so much more stuff as a they. Because we need that diversity. We need that mix. Not so that we can become an indistinguishable carbon copy Christians, all just separately the body of Christ. We need to be together, all different. In fact, it's the complete opposite of being indistinguishable. It's we are all unique. We have all been given gifts by God to use. But we need to use them together as part of the body so that we can be part of the they. Just we saw that they built the tabernacle. How cool is it that we can say that we as a, as a body of believers, we as the body of Christ are doing this, that we're doing that. So there are things that like, so I'm not involved with stuff like um, butterflies, for example, but it's really cool that I can stand here and say, we run butterflies. We put on butterflies for, um, for women to come and have cake and be pampered. We can say that. Each one of us can say that because we are part of the body who are doing things together. We can be part of the they and we can do so much more as part of the they. But the way that this all works is that each one of us needs to, requ- needs to understand that we are required as part of the body. 
It says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Don't be a foot. Don't be someone that says, <laughs> don't be someone that says, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. It can be really easy to do this. And I think we often do it in more of a negative way. Rather than saying, because I am not this good thing, I'm not part of the body. Often we'll say, because I am this bad thing or because this bad thing is happening to me or whatever, that I am not a part of the body. It's really easy to do that. And we, we can't do that. We need to know that we are required. We are fundamental as part of the body of Christ. We can't say, because, I am not, um, because I'm not gifted in encouraging I'm, I'm not a hand, I'm not an encourager, therefore I'm not part of the body. For that reason, we do not stop being part of the body. It could be that we think, do you know, I'm too young really to get involved in all this kind of stuff. Being young does not stop you being part of the body. It could be that you've got health issues, maybe physical health issues or mental health issues, and you think, you know, I've got this thing, so I'm not part of the body. That's just not true. That having that thing does not stop you being part of the body. There is space for you in the body. In fact, more than there being space for you in the body, there is a place for you in the body. There is a place that God has chosen and he has marked out for you to take, a U-shaped space in the body. It says in, I think, Jeremiah, that God's speaking. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Those plans are for you to be part of the body. Not just in a, making space for yourself, but in a, in a place that is already marked out, a U-shaped space in the body. And we need to understand that that is for each one of us, whether we are young, whether we are old, whether we are rich, whether we're poor, whether we are an encourager, a teacher, a leader. No matter what we are, God has chosen you and he has put you in his body to be able to work together as a community to build something amazing. And the body needs you to be part of it. The body needs you to be part of it. So we know that we are building. We've been commissioned to build the church. We know that we've been given skills. Each one of us, whether we believe it or not, has been given skills by God to build. And we know that we need each other to build as well. We need to be building as part of the body. But we also need to be willing to build. We need to be willing workers. And we see this in Exodus uh, in chapter 36, verse 5. It says um, how Moses gathered everyone together, all the skilled workers who were both skilled and willing. So we know that each one of us is skilled. Each one of us is skilled, but we need to be skilled and willing. We need to be skilled and willing to build. And we see an outpouring of this willingness as we read further through in, um, in Exodus. And it says about how um, so much stuff was brought. So much stuff was brought that they didn't know what to do with it. The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Can you imagine what that would look like in Newark? If each one of us really got who we are, who God has called us to be, what gifts he has placed in us, and we brought all of it. We brought so much of it that we actually have to take a step back and say, hang on, we need to work out what we're doing with all this stuff that people are, are bringing to the party. Wouldn't that be incredible to be able to do that? Not because, not bringing stuff because we feel compulsion or because we feel guilt or because we see other people doing it, we think oh, we probably ought to, but because we grasp properly that we are building something. We are building something important. We are building something eternally important. We have each been given skills to do it, and it's our responsibility as part of the body to bring those skills. And when we grasp those things, imagine what we could do as a church, not just a local church here, but as part of the global church, as part of the bigger picture as well. I think it would be incredible. 
but it is a journey to get to to all that and it's a journey that well, I think we could probably go backwards and forwards along through different stages of it over our lives I know but when, um, so before I became a Christian, I some of you may know this about me, some of you may not. I became a Christian when I was um, 19. And um, before that, so Dom and I had been dating for maybe a year and a half when Dom became a Christian and started going to church. And I was mad about it. Like, I, I was mad about it. I did not understand why whenever I would want to spend time with him, he would be at church doing something. And that is awful. Isn't it? That makes me sound really selfish. And I get that now. I didn't get that then. Because I didn't understand what Dom understood, that there was something that he was building. And I didn't see that. I didn't understand it at all. And then even when I became a Christian and I understood, you know, we're building church here together. This is cool. This is, this is, this is important. This is good. I understand now why, why Dom wants to give his life to this. And I want to give my life to it too. But I would often be at something and think, I don't really know how to help here. I'm just going to probably stand at the back for a bit. I remember I used to come home from university and we used to have youth on a Friday night. And I used to stand at the back thinking, I don't really know why I'm here. I do not have anything to bring to this. And it's that journey of realizing that we are building something that God has given each one of us gifts that we can use to build. It's just working out what those are and then working out what our place is and how we can use them. And it is a journey. And now sometimes I do still stand at the back or I stand in the bathroom going, um, I don't know how to put this light thing up. But we have each been given these gifts to use, which I think is incredible, which I think is incredible. So what we're going to do now, we're going to go into a moment in a time of some worship. I want you to have a think and a pray about what gifts have I been given? How can I use them to build the kingdom? But it might be that actually you're in the place that I was, however many years ago that was, nine, ten years ago, where you're thinking... I don't even get what is happening here. I don't get why people would want to put their time into building this. What is this? But actually, you've decided that, you know what, I, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he has created a way for me to come back, that I can be part of the body. And I'm going to give an opportunity before we go back into some worship for you to make that decision if you want, for you to make that decision to become part of the global body of Christ. So what I'm going to do is a prayer is going to come up on the screen and we're going to pray through it together. And then I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And the reason I'm going to do that is for two reasons. Firstly, it's for you. It's so that it's an outward action of an inward choice that you've made. It's helping you solidify that decision that you've made. And then secondly, it's for me. It's so that I can see uh, that you've made that decision so that we can make sure we have a conversation and that we get you some information to get you off on the right foot with this journey as part of the body of Christ. So that's actually sort of for you as well. So they're both two good reasons to put your hand up if you have decided today that that is the decision you want to make. So we're going to read through this prayer together and then uh, we're going to close our eyes. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. So if everyone could close their eyes and just bow their heads. And if you've made that decision today, if you've decided that you want to be part of the body of Christ, that you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I'm just going to make some space just now for you to, to raise your hand.
Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the global church, Lord, that we can each be part of it. Thank you that you choose to partner with us, even in our failings, even in our shortcomings. Lord, you choose to partner with us in building your kingdom. But thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us out there to do it ourselves, but you equip us, you give us gifts, you give us skills, you give us everything that we need to build, Lord. Thank you for that, God. Lord, I pray that you are placing into people's hearts this morning. You are placing into them ideas of things that you have already gifted them with. I pray that we will see over the next while people moving further along their journey with you, that we will see them developing more and more into those gifts, Lord, that they will start to use them more and more for your glory, Lord. Ultimately, it's all for building your kingdom and bringing glory to you, Lord. I pray that you are speaking to people this morning. And Lord, I pray that each one of us can catch more of an idea of what it is to be part of, part of the body of Christ, part of the team that is building your church, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand and we're going to worship together. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.